Welcome to the Exam Study Expert Podcast, helping you ace your exams at school and university through the psychology of high performance and the science of studying smarter, not harder. It's my pleasure to introduce your host, the Cambridge-trained memory psychologist and exam success coach, William Wadsworth. Hello and welcome to the Exam Study Expert Podcast. Today I'm trialling a slightly new format of episode, a takeover, in which I'm surrendering control of the podcast, the whole episode, and putting a listener in charge, uh, grilling me on whatever they want to know. If you enjoyed today's episode, or if you hate it, uh, either way, I'd love to hear what you think. So today I'm very excited to take over the podcast for today's episode. Max is a really top guy. He's been listening to the podcast and emailed me with some really interesting kind of next level questions about flashcard technique uh, and much more to, to probe me on and, and really get to the bottom of a few uh, quite interesting and, and pretty important details, I think. I really enjoyed this conversation with Max. I hope you will too. Let's meet Max and get right into it. So I'm going to start asking you questions on like flashcards because, you know, we know flashcards is one of the main sources that we used to, to remember a lot of information and effectively remember information when you're preparing, for example, for exams like the CPA exam or the bar exam or LSATs, whoever you are studying for any board exams. So you're really being tested on a lot of multiple choice questions. So what would you do in a case in order to make effective flashcards in order to help you answer the multiple choice questions? So at its heart, a flashcard has a, has a question or a cue on the front. Sometimes all it needs is a single word or just a couple of words and a question mark. I don't go in for writing long full sentence questions. Uh, save yourself time. Uh, with a similar uh, short, punchy uh, answer on the back. Again, the less you can write on the back, the better. Some of the best flashcards just have a single word or a single number on the back as the answer. So is your question, if you're practicing a multiple choice question where you have, say, four answer options, how do you turn that into a flashcard? Correct. Like okay. in an effective way. I wouldn't generally recommend having the, the ans- using the answer options on a flashcard because often it's quite specific in a specific question. And what you want to be doing in your flashcard learning is taking the specific and making it general. Let's take an example. I've got, I've got physics on the brain today, so let's take a physics example. It's still formulas, so uh, you know that's, that's still kind of close enough. So um, there's a, an equation that every high schooler learns about physics, F equals MA, um, force equals mass times acceleration. So your multiple choice might, question might read, what is Newton's first law? Is it F equals MA? Is it F equals MB? Is it F equals NC? Or so? uh, and obviously the answer is F equals MA. Um, how I'd make a flashcard out of that would be front of the flashcard, Newton's first law, back of the flashcard, F equals MA. What if it was a more complex or slightly more, or a pl- slightly more applied version of the question? So um, the question might give you some actual numbers and invite you to do a calculation. So in this case, the question might ask something like, an apple weighing 30 grams falls towards Earth, the gravitational pull is 9.8, uh, calculate the force 
the gravitational force acting uh, upon the apple. And then it might give a number of answer options, numerical answer options, uh, and you have to circle the right one. And the idea is that you do the intermediate calculation. Now, in that circumstance, I would make the same flashcard as I made originally. I'd write Newton's first law, uh, F equals MA. Um, I wouldn't write um, the kind of specific calculation, anything about the kind of specifics of the kind of numbers in that, in the flashcard, just because it will... It won't help me learn the general rule that I need to know in order to be able to answer that question. Now, if there was something about the way that question was asked that meant just knowing F equals MA wasn't enough to solve that particular question, then I'd try and be asking myself, well, okay, what's the bridge? Like, what's the, what's the stepping stone? What's the bit I'm missing between knowing F equals MA and being able to unlock this particular question? So, for example, maybe I hadn't quite realised that it was F equals MA I needed to use in that situation. So I'd try and unpick, well, what, what's the general thing about that situation that would allow me to spot in circumstances like this? This is the formula I need to use. So, for example, maybe I might write something on my flashcard. Maybe I might make a new flashcard, something like, if I need to calculate a force acting on a body what equation do I use? And then that kind of, so you sort of get that word association thing, like what's, if I'm at any time, there's a force acting on something, like this is the equation I need to use. And then that would allow you to unlock that question because that question contained the words, what's the force acting on the apple? So that kind of then triggers your, your, your kind of, oh yes, this is question about force acting on something. What's the equation I need to use? Oh yeah, it's F equals MA. And then away you go. Does that help a little bit? Yeah, that for sure definitely helps. It's really understanding the whole of the question rather than be too specific, rather try to make a flashcard more on a broad area of questions rather than be too specific and and narrowing your focus on particular calculation problems, rather make a flashcard that will help you a bunch of questions. I mean, the way, just to, just to kind of zoom out a, 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 a moment, like the, the way I think about flashcards is they're a fantastic tool for learning the fundamental knowledge you need to know um the, the kind of the facts that you need to know the equations you need to know the process steps you need to follow all that kind of stuff flashcards are a phenomenal way to do it and there's various alternatives we talked about on the podcast before things like q a notes for example um but flashcards are a really popular uh, option whether you're doing them on paper whether you're doing them digitally i know you've got some thoughts on that i'd love to, to get into that in a minute um but um you know flashcards are never going to be your entire study strategy you always need some practice with actual exam style questions as well and that's a separate study strategy to flashcards that's a separate task you need to do as well as flashcards. And the kind of the balance, I think, between how much flashcard work you need to do versus how much practice question work you need to do will vary from course to course. Like if it's a very knowledge-rich, very information-rich course, then you'd probably spend the majority of your time on flashcards. If, on the other hand, the underlying knowledge is quite, is quite basic or there's not too much of it, and the challenge is more about how to apply that knowledge whether that means applying that knowledge in the context of doing loads of calculations or whether that means applying your knowledge and you know writing analytical essays in the arts, you would do less flashcards in those kind of situations and spend more of your time doing practice questions. Yeah, I like that. Um, my next question for you is, is that I know this expands on 
what we're speaking about, but this is what I've been doing in order to um, make effective flashcards on the calculation problems is where I take the multiple choice question and I would delete the four answer choices. And I would put that to Anki digital flashcard system. Obviously, it's not practical to do that on a paper flashcard. You're not going to write out the whole problem on a flashcard. Meanwhile, if you do an Anki or these digital flashcards, wherever you're using, you copy and paste the question without the four answer choices into the digital flashcard. Would you say that's an effective strategy? Because what I find is that when I'm practicing these calculation problems over and over again with Anki's space repetition system, um, you're kind of remembering the steps and the, the way to answer that calculation problem. And then when you see another multiple choice question answer on the same concept, your uh, memory of the calculation of that flashcard in a way can help you answer that question. So what you, what's your thoughts on this? There's a few different ways you'd be using this. So uh, option number one, like any question you come across, you're putting it into Anki. Option number two, you'll maybe trying to find an example that's typical of a certain type of problem and find one typical example uh, and put that for each category of problem and put that into Anki. Or option three, you are putting into Anki any questions that you struggle with first time. So if you can't do it to start with, you're putting that into Anki. Which one of those three options would you say best describes what, what you're doing? I would say something that I struggle with, something that I could not answer the question and I would put that into Anki. Yeah. So look, I think there's a really great point here about there's a sort of ge a general a general rule that's, that's really important here that if you're working through practice questions, we've just said important part of your study strategy, always, if you're working through your practice questions and you come across things you don't know, and I think particularly in the context of where you're kind of doing calculation problems. So this could be in accounting like you, could be in sciences, it could be in business, economics, uh, computing, like anything where you're doing kind of problems, calculations, you've got stuff to solve. What happens when you encounter a problem you can't do? Step one, that same day, you want to go away and figure out how to do it. And you can either go straight to the answer, go straight to the worked answer and, and see what you should have put. Some people will add in an intermediate step where they will go back and look at a more general worked example, not the exact question, but look at go back to their textbook or whatever and look at a, a more general worked example and see if based on that, they can figure out the answer to this question. It's not a bad idea if you, if you have the time to do that rather than just going straight to the answer. Um, whichever of those you do though, you do need to find a way of coming back to that question so that you don't forget about it. You know, you've just, you've just struggled with something, you've gone away, you've looked up how you should have done it, you've learned how you should have done it. How are you going to make sure you remember that, what you've just learned for the exam? Now, if you've looked at, looked at the worked answer and the gap between what you felt able to do and what you learned from the answer is really huge. So you were like, oh gosh, there's so much in this I didn't know. I would I would really doubt my ability to be able to reproduce this even tomorrow. What I'd suggest doing at that point is studying the answer, putting it away, and then having a go again at that question again immediately. So if you really, really learned a lot, if it was really a really, really challenging question for you, study the answer, have another go at it from memory again immediately. And if that's too much of a challenge, if you can't do the whole thing from memory, then break it down, do part by part. 
um, from memory and see if you can reproduce each part for yourself from memory um, before perhaps then putting the whole thing together and doing it from, to, uh, you know, from, from start to finish uh, from, from memory unaided. If you can't do it immediately, day one, then you'll struggle to do it. You know, you've done no chance of doing it in a few weeks' time, uh, a few months' time in the exam. Um, but you're absolutely right. We do need to space our learning. We need to come back to it on on different days. So one of my sort of all-time top tips, no matter what your study routine is, whether you're, you know, perhaps like yourself, you know, sort of most CPA candidates, accountants fit in studying for their exams outside a day job, whether you're kind of studying for an hour or two in the evenings, or whether you're a student working towards major final exams and you've got full time on your studies, you know, nine o'clock to 5 p.m., Whatever your scenario is, I love the idea of starting each day, not by doing anything new, but just by testing yourself on what you did yesterday. So in the context of flashcards, this is really easy. Like if you made flashcards yesterday, today is, uh, we're recording on, what is it, Tuesday? So when you come back on Wednesday, before you do anything else Wednesday, start your study time by testing yourself on the flashcards you made on Tuesday. What if you're doing practice questions? Well, if you're doing practice questions then start off on Wednesday by, you perhaps don't need to redo every single practice question, but maybe make a note, like if you're doing them from a textbook or something, you know, asterisk the ones you couldn't do um, and have a second go at any practice questions you really feel you learned something from at the start of your study study session. Uh, if you're doing a whole day of studying, you might need an hour to go through this kind of exercise of retesting what you did yesterday. If you're just doing an hour in the evening, it might take 10, 15 minutes out of that hour. But it's a really important discipline. Now, what you're kind of talking about, and to bring it right back to your original question of should I put these questions into Anki, so you don't have to kind of manage the process anymore. You know, you've got uh, kind of a, a digital brain pushing the questions at you uh, on, a, on a kind of spaced spacing algorithm. Uh, so, you know, it might give you another chance to practice it tomorrow, maybe again a little bit later. I have a kind of love-hate relationship with Anki and, and, and the like. Personally, I, like, I think it can be a phenomenal tool and I know lots and lots of students for whom it's worked super, super well. Um, I think one thing that can cause difficulty, particularly for larger courses where there's a high volume of information, is that it can work really well for the first few weeks. But after that, once you've pushed a lot of information into Anki... <laughs> particularly if you sort of have to take a, you know, maybe you go on holiday for a week, you come back and then Anki is demanding you to do this, this kind of inordinate mountain of daily activity, just to kind of keep on top of what it thinks you need to practice to keep on top of the learning algorithm. And it can get to a point where it's just not feasible to do everything that Anki wants you to do. And so you have to end up prioritizing for yourself. And um, it's, it's, in other words, it's pushing, pushing work onto you. Um, if that's a problem for you, like the kind of alternative strategy is, is you know, is a bit more like what I've been describing, a, a kind of pull strategy where your study routine pulls spacing uh, opportunities uh, in, in, into your into your life. Um, so any, and it kind of fits into the time you've got available. So I mentioned one, you know, every time you sit down, test yourself on what you did yesterday. That's a really really easy one. Um, I'd add, maybe add a second one at the end of the week. So maybe take a day at the end of the week, Friday, Saturday, whatever day you choose. Um, don't do anything new that day. Don't study anything new. Just use that day to test yourself on everything you've done in the last seven days. So again, you know, it's not, it's not a kind of a push. It's not a technology kind of pushing questions at you. It's your routine that's, that's kind of 
bring the test opportunity towards you. And so that, that kind of has the effect that it always stays manageable. It always stays uh, a manageable amount that, that you're allowed to test yourself on because you've only got a limited time frame to do it. Uh, so you get as much testing done as you've got time for. Um, if it's working for you to put stuff into Anki, I think that's a totally valid strategy. Um, but uh, if it gets to a point where it's unmanageable, then then that's the that's the alternative that I'd recommend. And I understand exactly where you're coming from because when you're going through these review courses, for example, you have to learn a, a tremendous load of information and you're trying to spend the majority of your time studying the new information like the course offers with the lectures and the, the notes and you're doing the multiple choice questions. And the flashcards is your is your supplement that you're using to review from what you've done in the past. So I can understand where you're coming from when you're having so much flashcards and and you're trying to how to organize each day and how to cover all the flashcards you've done in the past. So I can understand that that perspective and it can be very difficult when you're when you have hundreds or even maybe a thousand flashcards and you're trying to review everything you have done, but you also need to go forward with the new material that you're studying. Yeah. It's a very interesting point. You had some really interesting thoughts yourself, Max, about uh, the pros and cons of of different flashcard uh, methodologies, so spiral bound versus digital, uh, and even the kind of specific types of spiral bound flashcards that you found helpful. So, I think it'd be really interesting to to share a few of your your own observations and experiences at this at this point. Absolutely. So, what I have been finding with spiral bound flashcards throughout college, I was using. Flash paper flashcards without being spiral bound, just regular decks, and I would put rubber bands and thing means to keep it organized. But a lot of times it would be disorganized, it would be all over the place. Once I started reading your book, Outsmart Your Studies, you mentioned about spiral bound flashcards and why I've been finding with spiral bound flashcards the fact that's in order. I find that when you're studying a concept that's a little bit difficult for you to understand. On a simple note, from based off the lectures you're listening to, the spiral bound, the fact that it goes from A to Z, and you made flashcards from A to Z, and the fact that when you're going through the cycle over and over again, your memorization of the material turns to to understanding the material based off the order of the flashcards from A to Z. It could kind of, let's say you made uh, 50 flashcards based off a bunch of lectures that you listen to your review course. The fact that you went from A to Z in order from the flashcard, and then when you're studying the spiral-bound flashcards, it really helps you remember the material much more effectively than studying, for example, a digital flashcard system where everything's all mixed up. It's very hard to pick out different flashcards from different areas to remember that information rather than something in order. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. I I totally agree, and I th- I think that most material for that you would study for an exam, any exam, any subject, has some kind of logical order to it. There's some kind of flow. There's some kind of building on what we learned earlier. There's some kind of story, and just so much easier to to keep that story, keep that flow in order. It makes more sense in your brain. It allows you to uh, you kind of build build that sequence. Um. And, and it doesn't matter how you'll be tested, but I think this is particularly important if you have essays to write. It's often the case at uh, kind of you know university college exams, you might have to write a kind of longer form essay to, to 
to share your knowledge on a particular area. Um, you know, for that, it's invaluable to have the story kind of laid out in order in, in your mind. It, it also allows you to do kind of slightly more advanced little tricks with flashcards. There's things I teach like, kind of, I call it kind of multi-layer flashcards. So you might have a set of six flashcards to help you understand a five-part process. The first flashcard, number one of six, will be just what are the names of the five parts of this process? Just name the five things. Um, and then the five flashcards that follow go through in turn each of those five parts of the process. So if there's a specific detail you need to know about each of the five parts, you have a separate flashcard for each of the five parts that asks you to, to remember those details. And that, 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 that kind of mechanic just doesn't work if the flashcards are coming at you in any order. They, it has to stay in order uh, for that to make any kind of sense at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, and also find that, like, let's say you made a flashcard on something, but the answer of that flashcard expand to another idea. So you can right. put an arrow on the bottom of the flashcard, look at the next card, and the next card allows you to expand on, let's say, the first flashcard that you don't want to put too much information on. So the next card could expand the next card to much more detail, and only spiral-bound flashcards could give you the ability to do that, which is very effective. Oh, you mentioned um, there was a trick you use with a particular type of spiral flashcard where you can insert extra cards if you get the right kind of flashcards. That's right. So um, so there is two flashcards that Staples or even, even Amazon or any of these sources could offer. There is spiral-bound flashcards that has a whole spiral, but you don't have the flexibility to add more flashcards or whatever it is. But there is another type of flashcard that has a um, a loop, uh, a hook. And you, if you go on Amazon flashcards with a hook or you go on Staples, the hook gives you the ability to add flashcards. It gives you the ability to, to reorganize the order. So let's say you made a flashcard one after the other, but you realize later on this flashcard belongs to to the beginning of the order instead of at the end of the order. The hook flashcard gives you the ability to, to modify the order as you choose. Yeah. And another I've... great thing, um, when I was studying in college, I would do three flashcards at a time. So the hook allows you to take the flashcard out of the hook, study the three flashcards, you keep shoveling it, but make sure you number it one to three, and it gives you that flexibility. I think just one thing I would add for the digital uh, folks, so for those that um, are listening and you, you already use something like Quizlet or Anki or Brainscape or, or one of the other digital flashcard tools, and my my kind of suggestion is that often there is a setting in most of these platforms that will let you practice flashcards in order and, and kind of force force that. Um, it might mess with it, how it thinks you should do the spacing uh, a little bit, but yeah, you can you can go and find that setting if you want to practice things putting things in order and the other tip would be to make much much smaller uh, decks of cards in whatever tool you're using let's say it's anki so rather than making a big kind of 100 flashcard deck for an entire chapter do you know 20 little five card decks uh, and you can kind of practice going through those in order so even if within that little five part deck it gets shuffled about a little bit you can still kind of go through the whole story of the chapter in order and it won't mess about with it too much um, if, if that makes sense when you have all these review courses that offer all these lectures all these textbooks thousands of multiple choice questions and the way 
the normal way people study is they usually somehow go to the lecture first and you can make flashcards while you're listening to the lecture, of course. You have notes from the lecture, like PowerPoint slides. And now, after finishing the lecture, what would be your um, routine? Would you immediately go to the multiple choice questions based off what you heard from the lecture? Or would you study the flashcards first, maybe skim through the study guide or the PowerPoints to to review what you heard from the lecture and then go to the multiple choice questions or the other way? There's different routes through this and it depends on individual preferences. Uh, you know, this this is the sort of thing we might end up you know, having conversations about in, in kind of the, the one-on-one coaching if anyone's ever doing that um, with me or, or thinking about doing that with me. But but kind of one of the main things it would depend on is how familiar you are with the material. So let's take two examples. Uh, if you're very familiar with the material, I might watch the lecture. I'd say I'm already pretty familiar with sort of 80% of it. So I might scribble down some question-answer pairs, either as flashcards or as Q&A notes. As I'm watching, once the lecture's done, I might go through those again to quiz myself on those questions. And then I might go straight into to practice questions uh, straight after that. Um, so so keep it pretty, keep it pretty tight. Um, if, on the other hand, I'm not particularly familiar with the material, I might watch the lecture different choice you can make at this point. You can either make flashcards, Q&A notes as you're going along through the lecture, or you can just watch the lecture. Maybe try and get a sense of the structure of the the course. So you're just sort of writing down, you know, very little, but you're, you're sort of trying to make sense of the structure of, of the lecture. So I don't know, there's, there's a, a four-part process and these are the four parts, or there's uh, you know, this ethical issue and there's this kind of pros and cons and this is kind of the, the structure of the lecture so you're trying to find the shape of the the content to just give you that kind of overall map uh, that, that helps you navigate the knowledge later on and then obviously you need to get into the detail so i might do something like uh, referring to the powerpoint at this point or any notes you've got uh, get into the details and i'd make flashcards or q a notes covering any of the details that i need to know that i don't yet know um, so i spend some time studying that and then again finish with getting into the practice questions I would just say one thing about those examples. Both of them finished up with doing the practice questions. Sometimes a good idea to bring your practice question work forward. Even if you're not familiar with the material at all, try and have a, at least a look at a few practice questions first before you do anything. And the benefit of doing that is it helps get your juices flowing about the sorts of ways you will need to apply this knowledge. Uh, and therefore, it kind of helps you go into the lecture, helps you go into studying the PowerPoint, making your flashcards with an attitude of, okay, these are the sorts of questions I need to answer. This is the sort of thing I'll need to know at the end of it. Uh, and therefore, you're more likely to pay attention to the most important bits uh, and be, be better at prioritizing what matters. That's a very good point. Would you make flashcards only on the information you don't know? Or would you make flashcards on everything you need? Let's say you even know the material. People say flashcards should only be addressed when you don't know the material at all. But when you're going through the lecture, you want the flashcards that you somewhat know in the sequence from A to Z to help you remember the structure of everything. If you only put flashcards that you don't know, let's say the ones you need to know kind of needs to be inserted into that sequence of, from A to Z of flashcards. So would you write flashcards in the lecture that makes sense to you? Would you want it to be as a flashcard so you can remember it maybe later on that you may tend to forget somehow? Look, general advice would be your flashcards ideally would be comprehensive and include flashcards testing 
things you think you already know for two reasons. One, you may be wrong. You may think you know it, but you don't actually know it. And so you really need the flashcard there to check. And two, even if you really do know it today, knowing it today doesn't guarantee you'll know it in four weeks, six weeks, 10 weeks time when the exam is. Um, The exception to that would be if you are under severe time pressure, either because the exam is now very close or because you just have an incredible volume of information to learn. And this would be a really, un- this would tend to happen in kind of really unusual situations. Um, I think the best example I can, I can think of is uh, some of the advanced medic- medical students I talk to. So not, not at med school or, or vet school, but you're now 10, 20, 30 years out of med school or vet school and you're taking sort of board certifications or specialist consultants exams and, and just a ridiculous volume of information and detail you're expected to know. In those circumstances, particularly because, again, uh, you know, as with many CPAs or CFAs, you're, you're fitting the studying in outside a day job, you, you just don't have time <laughs> to, to, to write flashcards on everything you, you already know. You, you are forced um, to only note down the things that, uh, to, to prioritize the things that you don't know. Absolutely. That's a very important thing. Okay, so now to expand what we are speaking about lectures and all that. Yeah. So now, let's say the exam you're preparing for could take two, three months to study for. And the first month, you're going through all these lectures. You're, going through, you're making all these flashcards. This is a lot of information that you have to remember. And let's say you're in month two or month three even. The material that you cover in the first coming weeks is not going to be so fresh. Obviously, the flashcards can be supplemented, but some people don't study flashcards. Some people are not consistent with flashcards even. And let's say you try to get to the flashcard somehow in your, in, to squeeze the flashcard within your, your study days, but you're really focusing on covering everything already by watching the lectures and the multiple choice questions. So what will be your strategy to be up to the par with the material as weeks and months go by with the material? Yeah, yeah, I think this is a great question, a really helpful question for people. So thank thank you for asking. I would start by divorcing the what you you're sort of asking about, you know, how we space out our learning over time. Um I kind of divorce that from the technique you're using. So it doesn't matter whether you're doing flashcards, practice questions, Q&A notes, you know, any of these strategies where you're trying to test yourself, do your retrieval practice, test yourself on what you know, any of these therefore effective study strategies. Um I would start with by starting point would be the, the kind of the principle I was talking about earlier, where you build these little opportunities for spaced testing, spaced retrieval practice right into your study routine. So every time you sit down to study at the start of the day or the start of your evening, start by testing yourself on whatever you did yesterday. If you made flashcards or Q and A notes yesterday, test yourself on those. If you did practice questions yesterday, have a second go at any questions you found particularly difficult. So you always do that. That's a daily practice. So your first bit of spacing is 24 hours later. Your second bit is at the end of the week. So pick a day of the week, Friday, Saturday, whatever you choose. Same thing again. Test yourself on whatever you did in the last seven days. Now, question comes, what happens week two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten? Um, ideally, what I would suggest is that day of the week you choose, Friday or Saturday, for your big review day when you're not doing anything new, you're just testing yourself on material from the last seven days. I would actually split your review day in two. So I'd make half of your review day to be about testing yourself on everything you've done in the last seven days. And then I'd take the other half of it and I would pick a week, pick a week that you've covered material in the past 
or pick a topic that you've covered in the past. It could be two weeks ago, three weeks ago, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks ago. Um, and your sole criteria for picking that topic to study uh, or to retest yourself on is if that came up in the exam, how confident would I be in getting the marks for it? And kind of underneath that, there might be two things going on. So you might be, you might have low confidence in a topic because you just haven't studied it for so long. So you haven't done it for 10 weeks. That might be one reason you feel very underconfident on it. Or you may have done it more recently. You may, you may have done it three weeks ago, but it was super hard. And you feel like, actually, of all the topics I've ever done, this is the one that's the most problematic uh, if it were to come up on a test tomorrow. So I choose to go through it again, uh, even though I've done it relatively recently. So if you do that, that means you will keep, you will always keep the lowest confidence topic fresh. You'll always keep ticking over on those lowest confidence topics as you go through your study process. Now, the final bit of the puzzle comes in just before the exam. So the, the final run into the exam. Ideally, we want to start out maybe a week, two weeks before the exam by testing ourselves on everything. So if you've been making flashcards or Q&A notes, this is a great time to just sit down and test yourself on them all. It might take you two whole days, three whole days, um, possibly even more, depending on the volume of material you need to know. You might do some practice questions at that point. So do some full practice papers, two weeks out. And then what you're looking for is you go through that process. So you stop by doing everything, uh, the whole course, sort of two weeks out from the exam. Uh, and, and what you're looking for are the things that are difficult. So identify those decks of the flashcards where you're weakest or particular parts of the course where you need to do more practice questions. And so you're kind of funneling it down so that by the time you're kind of maybe three days out from the exam, you've already gone through the whole course, but now you're just prior going through a second time, going through again, maybe the 10%, 20% of the course that was most difficult when you first went through it you know, two weeks out before the exam. So it's like a big funnel. You start out doing everything and then you kind of funnel it down. And so by the time you're three days out from the exam, you're just doing the kind of high priority stuff that you found really tricky. Um, and then like say it's an afternoon exam, the morning of the exam, you're just down to like one or 2%. I remember for some of my exams, uh, you know, it's an afternoon exam. I might be down to just like a single side of A4 of some key things that I've been going through over the past few days that I still hadn't quite got to stuck, got to stick. Uh, and so I just have the single side of A4 of these like really important facts, really important little details that just still haven't quite stuck. And so that's what I'd be going through, uh, you know, after breakfast on the day before an exam. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how it works. That's you, you start out and your spacing intervals get wider and wider and wider at the day after the end of the week, a few weeks later. And then as you get into the exam, they contract again. So you do everything two weeks out or one week out. And then harder stuff, two or three days out, and then the hardest of all stuff the day before or in the morning before. Um, so the, the intervals shrink again. Very nice. So my next question is, when you're doing your coaching sessions, when you're advising CPA students, what do you advise them? What kind of questions do they ask you? And how do you help them in their need? Sure. I think there's two main things. Um I think most of the questions, firstly, it's, it's, it's personal. So things will change from individual to individual, and that's part of the benefit of doing one-on-one -on -one work. But I'd say maybe 70, 80% of the time, there'll be two big themes. The first will be routine time management, how you manage your time, avoid procrastination, avoid distractions. That will typically include, we might, we might sit down and co-create a routine together that works for you and your schedule. Um, you know, Everybody has a different 
daily pattern of working and commuting, or if you're a, if you're a student at university, you know what happened your, your classes, your other commitments, extracurricular commitments. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of work with that and help to design a routine that works for you. Um, that takes advantage of things like you know not just what else is in your day time wise, but also how your things like your energy levels fluctuate throughout the day. And I will just say this one thing. You can design a routine on your own for sure. I've done a, episode, a whole episode, which is all about your, your study routine and designing that. Uh, I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, you, you, the, the one thing from vast experience that people struggle with if you're making study routine on your own, and I'll just give you this for, for free, people tend to be overambitious about how much they can study for. Like nine times out of 10, when I'm helping people with this stuff, they will come up with study routines that have them studying very, very many hours and it's just too many hours and, and either they don't achieve it and, and so they feel bad and disappointed or they do achieve it for a bit, but it's too much and it burns them out. Um, you do it for a few days or even a few weeks, but you know, it's not sustainable, burns them out. So um, most of my time I spend people to, to, talking people into more realistic and conservative study routines rather than helping them, uh, rather than pushing them to, to do more. Uh, I'm all about helping people study smarter, not harder. Um, so that was the first thing, the kind of study routine, time management side of things, um, any specific tricks that we might need to kind of overcome personal issues like procrastination or distractions. Uh, and then the second bit is about your your study technique. So we've had a quite a detailed conversation today about flashcards and space routines, all that kind of thing. Um, so that's that's kind of the other piece. Uh, you know, I'll help people with finding the right techniques for them and their course. Um, and we'll also, you know, I'll often ask clients to to bring along actual study materials that they've made um, and uh, bring them to sessions and we can kind of take a look at them and, and, and kind of review them together. Uh, almost like, uh, you know, if you're an athlete, reviewing the kind of footage from a match with your with your coach and, and, and finding those opportunities for, for improvement. Um, so those are those are kind of the two big areas. Incredible. And, uh, and this applies for law students as well, with, when they prepare for bar exams and uh, or studying law school, this, this same concept applies to them because law school also and studying for law requires you to read a lot of books and understanding the tax laws. Of course, there's a lot of terminology you have to make. So obviously flashcards definitely comes in for the, the main terms of, of like, for example, you study suretyship or when you study secure transactions, you have to really understand the terminology like attachment and perfection in order to, to help you answer the question. So, so, do law students ask you particular questions regarding that? I, 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 those two themes are pretty pretty universal across most of this, the clients I work with. And um, as long as you've got stuff you need to know, there's things you need to know or be able to do in your exam. Can't help so much if you need to you know, draw a painting in your exam. Like I can help you with some of the things, like how you manage your prep time and deal with exam nerves and maybe your exam day game plan and kind of how, how you manage your time in the exam. But I, I can't help you with like you know, some skills like how to draw or stuff. But I'd say like 80, 90% of exams, there is some stuff you need to know. Uh, and I can definitely help you with your study strategy for that, whether it's law, accounting, medicine, sciences, humanities. So Max, I, I, I think it's probably a good juncture to wrap up. So look, thank you ever so much. We've had some fantastic questions. It's been, been so great to chat and uh, so great Thank you for sharing your experiences as well. I think if I could just ask you one kind of question in, in return. Uh, you've obviously been, by the virtue of the questions you've been asking, it's, it's fairly obvious you've been kind of sold on the, on the value of flashcards and, and how, to, how to use them. One of the 
barriers I sometimes come up against is people that, um, you know, are, are kind of clinging to, to techniques like rereading or, you know, making a lot of notes. So just making notes, but not kind of testing themselves on it. I just wondered if you had a, had a few words of encouragement or inspiration to help uh, inspire people to, to switch to more effective study strategies from someone who, you know, clearly is, is, is using them and putting them into practice. Absolutely. So as first thing I want to say, for the, those who don't have the book Outsmart Your Studies, it's a very short book. It can really help people focus on studying more effectively. So when you're studying for board exams, like the CPA exams, the bar exams, studying law school, studying for med school, it's a lot of information, but don't don't be overwhelmed. There's going to be days that you're not going to study effectively like you study the other days. Don't be down on yourself. Just keep on going. Take one day at a time. That's the most important thing is to take one day at a time and don't don't put the pressure on yourself that you can't do this and this and that. Just focus on one step at a time and you know, you gotta focus on studying what's important and make sure you have effective study strategies and, and using this as a means to stay motivated and with God's hope you'll be you'll be doing great. Phenomenal. Well, Max, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to talk. Uh, thank you once again for coming on the show and, and sharing your questions and, and your insights. Uh, I've really enjoyed this uh, and I'm sure a lot of people uh, listening will have as well. So thank you once again and look, wishing you uh, and everybody listening every success in your upcoming exams. Wasn't that wonderful? If you're feeling inspired... Why not leave us a rating and a review in your podcast app? It would make our day. Thanks again for listening and see you soon.